Man. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly on KFAN, presented by Devonis. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Fantasy Football Weekly is also brought to you by Grain Belt Premium, No Name Butcher Quality Meats, Honda, Town Hall Family, and by the Park Tavern. Now, now, along with Fanball and League Safe's Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson, here's Paul Charchian. Good morning, and it is early morning. It's our 7 a.m. start for Fantasy Football Weekly. Go for kickoff is 11 o'clock, pregame at 9 o'clock, so we are adjusted back a couple hours before that. Two hours of fantasy football goodness. I am Paul Charchi and my co-host, Brian Johnson, almost as always. Can't quite say as always. I'm going to have the audacity to take the one week off. And then (laughs) Matt Harrison. Good morning, guys. Not as much always. Not you rarely. They're rarely seen. Three out of the next four. All right, good. All right, good. Then we don't have to change the liner for at least three out of the next four weeks. Yeah, exactly. It made sense this morning, at least, Mm -hmm. the intro. The intro made sense. Uh, if, if If only this time. Take a chance on me. Five tough questions, premature speculation, lightning round, and we'll break down all of the matchups. And that begins with Packers at Bears. Matt, it's gotten to a point now where no Packer feels safe. I have the entire Green Bay Packers offense on the bench except for one player. Okay. That's Devontae Adams, who only gets a C. Number one wide receivers have actually got it done against the Bears more than any other position this year. Antonio Brown was the only wide receiver to top 100 yards. Jordy had 75 and two scores in the first meeting. Michael Thomas had seven catches for 77 last week. Mm -hmm. And Adams has taken over as the Packers' lead wide receiver since Hundley's been the quarterback. He leads the wide receiver group in targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns since Hundley took over. This is not uncommon with, uh, with young, developing quarterbacks where they just can't go through three and four progressions. Yeah. So they go to 1A, and I'll throw that guy the ball if he's remotely open. And so I think Adams is enjoying some of that. Yeah. The bad news is the last time the Bears allowed a score to a wide receiver, it was against the Packers in week four. Jeez. <laughs> and they allowed four in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offense has completely struggled under Hunley, and the Bears are top 10 defense, especially at home where they're only allowing 15 points per game. Hunley faces a Bears defense that's only allowed 89 rushing yards total to quarterbacks this year, and that's where a lot of his value is predicated, so he's on the bench. Yep. Uh, Chicago's only allowed eight passing touchdowns this year, seven rushing touchdowns in eight games, and they held the Saints to 20 points in New Orleans in the last game. While Kamara and Ingram both scored in that game, Montgomery and Aaron Jones are not on par with Rod- no. without Rodgers, so they're on the bench. And that's really it for the Packers. Notice I didn't even mention Jordy Nelson. He's just an afterthought in this offense. Isn't that crazy? Hundley. I know there uh, there are people dropping Jordy outright. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it happen in one of my leagues. I was I, asked if uh, someone should trade Jordy for Martavis Bryant. Yeah, yeah I saw that yeah. tweet as well. I, I, I didn't, didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say either. <laughs> Pick your poison. It's not good. Uh, on the Bears side, I got one starter, and it's Jordan Howard who gets an A grade. The Packers are allowing 118 rushing yards per game. They've given up a ru- running back touchdown in every game AR. That's after Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> okay. Howard has had 36, 21, and 23 rushing attempts in the Bears' last three games. He's just getting the rock a lot. Uh, Tariq Cohen is on the bench. He's droppable. He's had exactly one catch per game since Mitch Trubisky took over at quarterback. Yeah, that's, I thought I thought it was going to go the other way, I'll be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm so used to seeing 
uh, young quarterbacks dump off balls to running backs and and you know safety safety outlet kind of stuff, security blanket stuff. No. Well, Trubisky's safety outlet was Zach Miller, and while he still has two legs, yeah, barely he, he might never play again. Uh, Kendall Wright hasn't topped 50 yards or scored in Trubisky's four starts, so the rest of the passing game, including Trubisky, is on the bench. Even if I tell you this golden nugget of information that tomorrow is Kendall Wright's birthday. Oh! <laughs> birthday bonus. <laughs> he might get to 50 yards then. Yep. All right, Vikings take on the Redskins. I've got uh, I've got an A one A grade between both teams, and it's for Kyle Rudolph. He has scored a touchdown in each of his three career games against Washington, and the Redskins have just been abused by tight ends all season. They've allowed a league worst eighty yards per game to tight ends, and Rudolph averaging eight targets per game over the last four weeks. Now a lot of those were without Stefan Diggs. Now Diggs is back, so that worries me a little bit about Rudolph, but still I'm giving him an A grade here. Uh, the rest of the Vikings starter C grades. Adam Thielen goes up against slot corner Kendall Fuller, uh, who's been really a mixed bag here. The Redskins have, have given up touchdowns to Nelson Aguilar twice from the slot. Doug Baldwin had a massive game from the slot, but he's all, uh, Kendall Fuller's also shut down some other good slot receivers. So it's a mixed bag here. Thielen has at least five receptions in every game, and I still think it's it's going to be a typical Thielen game where you're going to get six, seven receptions, 80 yards, and he probably won't score. Stefan Diggs, C-grade, 100% healthy for the first time in over a month and runs the majority of his plays on the right side of the field, which means he'll draw Josh Norman, who almost never ventures away from that side of the field. Norman hasn't allowed a touchdown this year, and opposing number one receivers consistently shut down against Josh Norman. It is a tough assignment for Steph Diggs. He goes down to a secret. Sounds like a Diggs decoy. It could be. Yeah. It could be. Uh, and maybe all the better for Rudolph. Uh, Jerick McKinnon. Well, let's stay with the passing game. Let's wrap up that first. Case Keenum. I've got a tentative C and maybe a bench grade here. Redskins have played a lot of good quarterbacks, and they've handled almost all of them. Basically all of them other than Carson Wentz, who has put up two massive games against them. The average non-Wentzonian game against the Redskins... 225 yards and one touchdown. That's it. And that's almost exactly what Case Keenum gives you on a week-in and week-out basis. So, to me, that's barely C-grade. Charge, you got your finger on the pulse of the Vikings. Is is the leash for Keenum short now that Teddy is back? Could, could, not if could. he doesn't give away games. Okay. I think they can even lose games as long as he's not the three-turnover guy okay. to cause those losses. So, I think, he, I think Case is pretty safe, actually. Uh, all right, so now let's talk about Jarek McKinnon for just a moment. Over the last four weeks, he's averaging 21 touches, 106 total yards, and a touchdown per game. Those are great workhorse-style numbers. Elite backs like Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott have posted very big games against the Redskins, but nobody else has. Only the big workhorse, elite-level workhorse backs have gotten it done against the Redskins. You can decide on for yourself if Jarek McKinnon belongs in that conversation. Is he in the conversation with Gurley, Hunt, and Elliott? 106 yards and a touchdown per game would suggest he is. Non-Gurley, Hunt, Elliott backs against the Redskins? Nobody has topped 50 yards. So that's your downside. I've got a C grade on Jarek McKinnon. Let's go to the Washington side where I've got a handful of C grades and that's it. Kirk Cousins comes in with a C. There's a litany of problems for Cousins in this matchup. Offensive line is all kinds of banged up. I think they may only end up missing one starter, but a bunch of guys playing hurt. Um, the Vikings have an elite sacking defense that will test that offensive line, of course. 
He may be shorthanded here without Jamison Crowder, who's shaping up as a game-time decision. Jordan Reed, shaping up as a game-time decision. And then there's the matter of the Vikings' secondary, which is very good anyway. They rank fifth in touchdown passes allowed, seventh in passing yardage allowed. A very tough game for Kirk Cousins coming. The only part of his receiving game that I've got a starting grade on is Vernon Davis. Because with or without Jordan Reed in the lineup, he's still been reliable. He's averaging four catches, 62 yards in every game since the opener. Reed, game-time decision, hamstring injury, but it might not matter either way, though. Vikings are very good against tight ends. They're holding to 45 yards per game as a position. None have topped 40 yards against the Vikings since the opener. So just a C-grade on Davis, and if Reed actually were healthy and playing, you might even just take him into the bench area. Terrell Pryor's out. He's collected three or fewer receptions in seven straight games. Josh Doxson's got to average more than two catches a game. I just it, That's just not enough volume. I also worry that he's going to see Xavier Rhodes, and then it's it's game over for Josh Doxson. Lastly, go to the running game. Rob Kelly is on the bench. He's a pure touchdown play. He has scored three times in the last two games, which is great, but the good news ends there. The Vikings have only given up two rushing touchdowns all year. They rank third in rushing yards allowed, and Rob Kelly's averaging two yards a carry. Two. I know you, you talked about it, but I'm counting six offensive linemen on the injury report for Washington. Isn't it ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, they're all I, I, terrible. Like all of them. Chris Thompson is normally a very safe play, but he's also had this string of matchups against teams that struggle against running backs through the air. That ends here. The Vikings are an elite pass-catching defense for running backs. I've given out these stats a few times in a lot of different formats. I'll do it again here. Here are these are I'm gonna the Vikings have faced just this litany of excellent pass catching running backs and listen to what they've done. Alvin Kamara twenty yards through the air, Le'Veon Bell four yards, Theo Riddick eight yards, Tariq Cohen negative eight yards, Ty Montgomery three yards, Bunk Allen twenty nine yards, and in their last game Duke Johnson ten yards. So I just I I've got a C grade in Chris Thompson just because I think he's a talent, but I don't expect him to do very much here. Let's go to our final matchup of this segment, and it is the New Orleans Saints taking on the Buffalo Bills. New Orleans Saints have turned into a run-first offense. What do you think about Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram? Yeah, I like uh, Alvin Kamara a little more in this game. I'm giving him a B. Um, He's the league leader in yards per carry uh, at 6.0. Give him more carries, please. Uh, We'd all like to see that. But Mm -hmm. uh, this matchup is really about the receiving for Kamara. Buffalo is allowing running backs to catch nearly six passes per game. Kamara is top five among running backs in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. So you do the math. Kamara should uh, do pretty well here. I don't like um, Mark Ingram as much. I'm going to give him a strong C. Okay. Uh, Buffalo bottom six in opponent rushing play percentage. Uh, opponents are running just 39% of the time against the Bills, and uh, Buffalo has yet to allow an opposing running back to reach 80 rushing yards. So I like Kamara a little more than Ingram here, but you're definitely starting both. Uh, to the passing game, uh, let's go with Drew, to start with Drew Brees. Uh, it's no surprise Brees has more passing touchdowns on the road this year. No, that way. is a surprise. Well, you just ruined my punchline, George. But oh, yes, sorry, I was acting. Oh, here, go again. Actor. No, just go again. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's road. We got Thespian and Brian over here. Wait, that is a surprise. No, again, it's all ruined. <laughs> it's all ruined anyway, now. I'm giving Breeze just to see here, though. Even though he's better on the road now, that's that's a joke, of course. Uh, bad matchup. Buffalo has allowed the third fewest touchdowns, uh, passing touchdowns, just seven all year. Only one opposing quarterback has topped one passing touchdown. Breeze could do it, but uh, his ceiling isn't as high as it usually is. Michael Thomas will give a B. 
he might be borderline A if uh, cornerback E.J. Gaines misses his third straight game. He's questionable right now. Uh, Thomas owners are certainly hoping for that, but you're starting him either way. I think Thomas is going to gonna have a nice game here. Me too. I'm seeing him traded for nothing in a couple of, a couple of my leagues. Yeah, People are really down on him, and I, I don't think this is the time to give up. No, but he's been very consistent. Hasn't been blowing up like right. last year, but very consistent. Uh, Ted Ginn, also been surprisingly consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, likely to draw Tredavious White, though, who grades out as pro football focuses number 10 cornerback in coverage. He's been uh, much better than a boomer bust guy this year, Ginn has, but that's kind of what he feels like this week. I'm just giving him a C. I'm benching Brandon Coleman and Willie Sneed. Sneed went from 4 to 18 snaps last week. Coleman went down from 48 to 30. Maybe they meet more in the middle this week, but just the matchup isn't right anyway, so I got both on the bench. Uh, that's it for the Saints. Over to Buffalo, uh, starting with LaShawn McCoy. Shady returns home where he's averaging 130 combo yards per game, dating back to the start of last season. Mm. The Saints are allowing 4.7 yards per carry, 5.5 yards per carry on the road. So uh, McCoy's an easy A. For sure. Kelvin Benjamin. Oh, I'm tempted to give him a C, but I'm going to go uh, go bench grade here, and we'll wait and see what happens. The Saints are only allowing an average of six catches and zero touchdowns per game to wide receivers as a whole over the past three weeks. For that reason, I have Jordan Matthews on the bench as well. Even though safety Kenny Vaccaro will miss this game for New Orleans, I just don't see either with a very high ceiling in this one. And Charles Clay is supposed to make his return. Uh, Coach Sean McDermott say Clay's looking really good to play on Sunday, but the matchup isn't right here. New Orleans has allowed the second fewest yards to opposing tight ends, so another wait-and-see scenario for Clay. Even with all those bench grades uh, for the the, the pass catchers, I do like Tyrod Taylor. I'm going to give him a B. On paper, the Saints have the best pass defense in the NFL over the last five weeks. Which is crazy. But they face the Saints. Jay, yeah. Jay Cutler, Brett Hundley, Mitch Trubisky. Hey, still, still for the, by Saints standards, that's amazing. It is. It truly is. But uh, the one legit quarterback they faced during that span was Matthew Stafford, who threw for 312 yards and three touchdowns. Taylor does have some interesting weapons, and New Orleans has given up uh, good numbers to rushing quarterbacks. So, uh, and Ty got a, has at least six rushing attempts in all but one game this year, and has scored on the ground in consecutive weeks. So, I will give him a B. All right, uh, you had mentioned you had Charles Clay coming back. I think a lot of the success he had had earlier was because Jordan Matthews was out, and Zay Jones had done nothing. I mean, there was like nobody else even to throw to. Now you add in Kelvin Benjamin, and you add in Jordan Matthews back healthy. Now Zay Jones is a bigger part of this yeah. offense, and you know Clay's still not one hundred percent. I'm I'm not feeling Clay right now, and I I don't know that he's going to replicate the early season success he had. Last thing I'll mention about Kelvin Benjamin: Can you remember another time? Can you remember any time that a receiver was traded midseason and then was a particularly effective fantasy receiver with the new team? I'm, I'm struggling to think of anybody that falls I, I, into that category. I'm, it's 7 a.m. I'm blanking yeah, on a, any wide receiver who's that been was ever traded, traded in the history of the NFL. <laughs> uh, it's I. I just think this is. I think it's a position that is it. It really helps to have timing with your quarterback to have run all the routes together and everything else. I just think I think it's hard for a receiver to be particularly effective after after being traded midseason. A lot of the, Brandon Marshall. Either to think Chicago so. or to Miami. He was I, I traded, so. but I don't remember. If, I don't think he was in there. A lot, of the, a lot of the Buffalo coaching staff came from Carolina, and they, they brought him in for a reason. They Maybe. Think he's a good locker yeah. room guy, so he might, he might fit in pretty well there right away. Now we give My league gives points for locker room yeah. guys. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll that'll be helpful. P-P-L-R-G. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, take a chance on me. Nine players, not normally in your starting lineup. A bunch of these guys on the waiver wire. 
If you're in a pinch in a position, you'll want to stay tuned. Take a chance on me when we come back. week regular listener michael mike croswell was nice enough to send in a 80s john carpenter style take a chance on me we played it and now he's come back with what he calls the voodoo mix of take a chance on me i kind of like it no it's not the voodoo mix i'm sorry it's the vocoder mix i looked at it i just glanced at it Voco- i don't see i'm not positive what the vocoder is We'll have to take it. But we must be that. listening to it. I think he knows better than we do. Must be this fancy pants keyboard we got going I here. I think so. It's very 80s. It's very Casio. Let's uh, let's jump into the take a chance on me bit. It's uh, nine players not normally in your starting lineup. We begin at the quarterback position. Matt, what you got? I said I'd never do it, but I'm going back to the Jay Cutler well. Oh, boy. Uh, the angle here is that the Jay Ajayi subtraction was the addition that the Dolphins sorely needed. Both Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams are far better pass catchers and pass protectors than Ajayi. Mm-hmm. And the offense is more quick hitting and pass oriented now as evidenced by Cutler's first 300 yard game since 2015 that happened last week. Yeah. It was also the first time he threw three touchdowns in the last three years. He completed 34 passes last week at an 81% clip. That's non-Cutlerian. No. Five quarterbacks have thrown for multiple touchdowns against the Panthers, his opponent this week, in the last seven games. So Mm. let's see Cutler do it. I'd like to see Cutler do it. All right. Brian, how did I end up with Stu Beard? It it doesn't seem normal, does it? Well, I got Stu Beard. Ryan Fitzpatrick at home against the Jets in the Revenge Bowl, which I'm sure we'll talk about in detail This is the most revenge-y game of all time. It is. Uh, Sadly, no no Mike Evans for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but uh, the Jets have still allowed the most passing touchdowns in the NFL with 19. Uh, They've allowed an opponent completion percentage of 68 over their last three weeks. That is just one short of 69. Uh, if you're counting at home. Uh, New York has also allowed multiple passing touchdowns in five straight games. So, yeah, Stu Beard in an obvious revenge scenario. Let's go. Josh McCown might be the safest quarterback play this week. Also, never in the Revenge Bowl. It's That's the other half of Revenge Bowl. No two quarterbacks have ever faced each other having played for more combined teams in the course of their career than Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick. McCown has scored multiple touchdowns in five straight games, and this is his easiest opponent of the year, Tampa Bay. The Bucks ranked 30th in pass defense, giving up 280 yards per game. Opposing quarterbacks have scored in every game against the Bucks. It's a terrific opportunity for Josh McCown. Let's go to the running back position, Matt. I've got Rod Smith, and this is predicated on Ezekiel Elliott's suspension actually staying a suspension this week. Yeah, I think it's going to stay a suspension. I don't think anything's changing between now and and kickoff. Uh, Atlanta, their opponent this week, has allowed the fourth most receptions to opposing running backs, and good pass-catching backs tend to have a decent day against the Falcons. Christian McCaffrey had five catches last week and ended up scoring on the ground. Matt Forte had six for 45 in the air. James White had five catches and scored. Ty Montgomery, 6 for 75 and a touch. Tariq Cohen, 8 for 47 and a touch. Rod Smith's their pass-catching back. I like him this week. All right. Ryan. I've got Cleveland's Duke Johnson at Detroit. Uh, Opposing running backs are averaging more than 8 targets per game against the Lions, so it's no surprise Detroit is top 12 in receptions and yards allowed to running backs. 
Uh, Duke has 10 catches on 12 targets over his last two games. Uh, Cleveland wide receivers are absolutely worthless. Uh, I see a lot of volume through the air for Duke in this one. Orleans Darkwa is my choice. Now, this is a two-parter. It's also Wayne Gallman. So I'll let you do the, the choosing, listener, on whether Orleans Darkwa or Wayne Gallman is more applicable for your situation. Probably can't find Orleans Darkwa on a lot of waiver That's wires right. right so I, and I, Wayne Gallman, there's enough to go around. Let's, let's talk about it. 49ers ranked 31st against the run, mostly because teams are running 36 times per game against San Francisco. Now, the, of the 36 times, Orleans Darkwa's never had more than 16 carries in a game this year. So that leaves 20 carries to get spread around. Oh, they're all going to Wayne Gallman. They might all go to Wayne Gallman, and especially if the Giants, Brian, are able to reverse <laughs> last week's blowout and be on the other end of a blowout win against the winless 49ers. Maybe then they, they go to their backup running back, Wayne Gallman, and give him a bunch of work. Meanwhile, Orleans, Orleans Dark were averaging five yards per carry. So we're excited about the prospects of both. I'm sure Brian McAdoo will do the right thing in this one. Re- retire? Yeah. Did Charts not, just not call for find a, a barber? A blowout game flow for the Giants? I did. Wow. How about that? Uh, Brian, uh, sorry, Matt, let's go to the wide receiver slash tight end position. I've got a tight end, and it's Garrett Selleck because it's almost too easy. It's the Giants it that they're easy. playing. And everyone knows that they suck against tight ends to the tune that they've allowed a tight end touchdown every game this season. And... George Kittle, the normal starting tight end, is out. So Garrett Selleck, who's virtually unowned in any league, right. is sitting there with the best tight end matchup of all. Let's of all time? Yeah, of all time. It, it tech, I mean, if you were to look just at the defensive part of it, it probably is the best tight end matchup of all time. I'm confident in the 23-year history of this show. We've never had a team rolling on a 10-game tight end touchdown allowed streak ever. Correct. Brian. All right, let's stay with tight ends, and I'm going with Houston C.J. Fedorowicz at the Rams. Uh, C.J. is coming off IR after suffering a concussion in week one. He's expected to, quote, play a lot, so that's good news. Uh, And in their storied three-game history together, C.J. Fedorowicz and Tom Savage are a duo more deadly than Dalton and Wade. Whoa. Also a great place to grab an old-fashioned if you're in the North. Oh, I do like that place. But anyways, C.J. caught four passes for 46 yards. For 46 yards from Savage in week one before getting hurt early in the third quarter. Last year, he was the only Texan receiver to see at least seven targets in both of Savage's starts. So he's his favorite option. And he'll see lots of volume on Sunday against the Rams. And he's going to play a lot. Play, quote, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Mark it down. Never a more ringing endorsement. I am going with Tampa Bay receiver Adam Humphreys. Uh, Evans is out, so Humphreys is going to get more targets. But even more importantly, he faces Buster Screen, who ranks 90s or busted screen door, as we like to call him. Uh, or we've called him Custer Screen as well. We've been picking on we've Buster Screen for, for years. years. Absolutely. Ranks 97th at the cornerback position by Pro Football Focus. Get this. <laughs> the last three slot receivers to face the Jets and Screen all have all scored touchdowns, and they've all topped 74 yards. That's a liability in the defense we can exploit, folks. Adam Humphreys. So Adam Humphreys gets the screen pass. He gets the- <laughs> That's right. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, more matchups to get to, including Chargers taking on the Jaguars. Do you dare start anybody from the passing game from San Diego? Find out when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. The- 
Welcome back to the show. It is Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson, Matt Harrison with you. We're going to roll up our sleeves on a bunch of matchups and uh, try to work in maybe a call or two to the people uh, nice enough to sit on hold and listen through the show. First matchup. It's the Chargers against the Jaguars. Jaguars rank number one against the pass. They've given up one passing touchdown in their last five games. Not one per game, one <laughs> passing touchdown in their last five games. That means if you spread that out over season, they're gonna they're averaging like three point two passing touchdowns on a season. That is correct for the sir. Jaguars. Can you possibly start any of your Chargers? No, the passing game's on the bench, and that includes Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen. The Jags have only allowed one touchdown to a wide receiver all year. That was way back in week one against DeAndre Hopkins, so Allen's not in play. Hunter Henry has the best matchup as the Jags have allowed three times as many touchdowns to tight ends as wide receivers. <laughs> that would be three. Uh, but Henry's target totals have just been erratic, 7-5-2 and two in the last three games. The only guy to start on the Chargers side is Melvin Gordon, who gets an A through their first six games. The Jaguars have allowed six backs to top 90 yards. Three of them hit triple digits, and they they only held the Colts and Bengals backfields under those marks in the last two weeks. But that's as impressive as Don Trump maxing out a 280-character tweet right there. Mm. Let's go to the uh, Jaguar side. Leonard Fournette, uh, he gets an A grade. He hasn't played in three weeks due to injury, then a bye, then a team photo. The prior three weeks, he was averaging 155 total yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game, and the Chargers are allowing 135 yards per game to running backs. That's second worst in the league. So he's the A, but the passing game's on the bench. Blake Bortles, uh, the Chargers have held five of eight quarterbacks to one or zero touchdown passes this season. Tom Brady's the only one to top 250 against the Chargers. Marquise Lee's on the bench. He's the only wide receiver who's been worth anything on this roster. There's a remote possibility that we could see D.D. Westbrook soon, but Marquise Lee draws Casey Hayward, who's only allowed 18 catches this season. Yeah, he's that's about great. two per game. Yeah, so that's it. Nicely done. Did I hit the minute mark? I wasn't timing I you. I thought you were going to time me. No, you didn't say you wanted to be uh, timed. Do you want to be timed, Brian? <laughs> I mean, I can work this out if you'd like. Uh, Cleveland takes on the Detroit Lions. Can you do that in one minute? Yes or no? On your market set, go. Uh, Isaiah Cro- oh, that- <laughs> uh, Isaiah Crowell, I'm going to give him a seat. No, this is way too distracting. You got to do it. Um, uh, Crowell was finally useful from a fantasy. I can't do this. Yes, you can. Our 30-second reviewers do it all the time. All right. It's a bad matchup for Crowell. Detroit is ranked top 10 against the run by football outsiders DVOA, and only two running backs have topped 76 yards against the Lions. Uh, they're much easier. <laughs> He's so thrown backs. off right now. Um, that ticking is like, I feel like the place is going to explode. Um, I like Duke Johnson more than Isaiah Crowell. That's why he's my take a chance on me running back. Uh, the wide receivers are on the bench over the last three games. Six Cleveland wide receivers have combined for 23 catches and 249 yards. That's not even an average of eight catches and 85 yards per game for the whole unit. They're just dreadful. Njoku, David Njoku is on the bench. Uh, decent matchup for tight ends, but Njoku has yet to top three catches in a game and has breached the 50-yard mark just once. Uh, yeah, whatever. You didn't even get through half of the matchup in 60 seconds. Right. That was nerve-wracking. Uh, you would never make it on Video Games Weekly. I That's what I've learned that. here. You had to tell me that the tick-tick-ticking tick, tick was coming. I wasn't prepared for that. You are a radio professional. You are paid to execute this show. We expect you to be able to do it with a ticking sound in the background. Could have just taken off the headphones. 
I don't think I'm paid enough to do it with the ticking sound in the background. That's too hard. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser on the bench. Duh. Okay. Over to Detroit. Uh, Golden Tate going to get Golden Tate going to give him an A. I am so on tilt right now. You really uh, are. Tate is top ten in receiving yards among wide receivers. You're obviously starting him against the Browns. Uh, Marvin Jones. Almost want to give him an A if it wasn't for the fact that he'll draw a top uh, cover corner, Jason McCourty. Jones, one of my one of my sleepers in the preseason, by the way, if you want to fire up that peacock if he's awake. Uh, over the last four weeks, Jones is fourth among wide receivers in yards and first in touchdowns. That's even more impressive considering he had his bye during that span. Uh, now, there he is. Now, you don't mind you don't mind talking through the peacock sound when it's all about you. Well, stop I'm to so, listen. I'm so used to that. Yeah. Okay, that's true. All right. Uh, man, there's a certain tight end I really want to mention in this matchup for Detroit. Can I? No. <sighs> Darren Fells? Double E. Yeah, yeah, D- Darren Fells. Double E. It's, it's a, it's, I'm not recommending him in seasonal. He's got to stay on your bench, but on a site like Fanball where he's coming in cheap, oh, I'm yeah. like Ebron against the Browns. Uh, I would use Fanball's triple tight end set to get Ebron in. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, Matt Stafford. You two are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stafford. Want to do a head-to-head? Yes. All right. <laughs> you have to use awesome. Ebron and your triple tight end stack. Deal. All right, deal. I'll send you a link later. All right. Uh, Matt Stafford, going to give him an A. Uh, Cleveland has allowed 16 passing touchdowns on the season, which is tied for third most in the league. Stafford has thrown for 300 or more yards in each of his last three games. He's an easy A. Amir Abdul, I'm just going to give him a C. Uh, fumbled in some key spots last week. It's hard to trust him in fantasy and now reality. Cleveland is actually ranked number one against the run by football outsiders, and it's not because teams aren't running against them. They are top 12 in carries against, mm. but bottom five in yards allowed. That means they are a legit run defense, so I'm not liking Abdullah here. And Theo Riddick, I still can't do it. He's on the bench as well. He's basically been benchable all year. You might as well uh, start Theo Huxable at this point. <laughs> Theo! Rudy. That's, that's very impressive. Uh, that came right off the top of the head. Yeah. I, really? Yeah. I, I can't tell you didn't put hours and hours of work <laughs> into that. Uh, the yards per carry, Cleveland is still number one in opposing yards per carry at 2.9. That's it. They are sneaky good run defense. Giants take on the 49ers. I already told you Orleans Darqua and Wayne Gallman were my co-take-a-chance-on-me running backs. I want to see you do this with the ticking. Come on. Do you think that's going to phase a seasoned radio yeah, I professional do. I, like I, I me? I want to see it. Yeah, it doesn't mean I, I. I don't think I can get the matchup in under one minute, but I didn't say I could. All right, let's go to the passing game. After a nice start to the season, the 49ers defense has regressed badly. In their last seven games, they've allowed either multiple touchdown passes or more than 300 passing yards in every game. And here's Eli Manning, who comes in short-handed for a month. He's played all these good defenses, yet he's still thrown at least one touchdown in every game since the opener, and this is his easiest matchup since week four when he faced Tampa, and he rolled up 288 yards and two scores in that one. So I like Eli Manning, a B grade on Eli Manning. And if I like Manning, means I like his really only two receiving options. First, Sterling Shepard. He was targeted nine times last week. Nine times. And the Giants don't have a lot of other options in the passing game. Only two teams have allowed more passing touchdowns than the 49ers and their slot corner, Quan Williams, who will be guarding Shepard primarily, ranks as cornerback 112 by Pro Football Focus. I believe 115 is the total number that they've got. Evan Ingram is an A-grade. By the way, Shepard's a B-grade. A-grade for Evan Ingram. On the season, the 49ers are a top-10 defense against tight ends, but they've given up a touchdown to the position in three straight weeks. And here comes Ingram, who has scored a touchdown in three straight weeks. 
He's averaging nine targets. Nine times. Over the last five weeks. And yeah. that is not going to change here. Let's go to the San Francisco side. Got a B grade in Carlos Hyde, averaging over 18 touches per game. And he'll get the bulk of the work against the Giants, who rank 24th in rushing yards allowed. And they've given up over 115 total yards to backs in every single game this season. Nine times. Nine, yeah, that is right. That is actually, that's exactly right. Uh, Matt Breed is just an afterthought in this offense now. And I've actually got some C grades on the passing game. Because, Brian, your Giants stink against the pass all of a sudden. All of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, other than that part. Uh, C.J. Beathard, C-grade. He's uh, His rushing prowess helps make him a plausible bi-week fill-in. He's averaging 30 rushing yards per game on the ground. He scored twice in, the, in three full games. But his arm can chip in a little something here, too. The Giants have allowed multiple passing touchdowns or 300 passing yards and five consecutive games rolling into this one. And during that stretch, quarterbacks have averaged just under three touchdowns per game. So even if C.J. Beathard is half that good, that's one and a half touchdowns, we'll, we'll take that. That earns you a C grade around here. Since week four, the Giants are the NFL's worst pass defense. So C.J. Beathard with a C. And then you mentioned Garrett, uh, Garrett Selleck was your take a chance on your receiver Correct. slash tight end. And then Marquise Goodwin's the only other guy with a pulse. He gets a C grade as well. Since C.J. Beathard took over, Goodwin leads the 49ers in targets. He had eight last week. Uh, of course, Pierre Garçon is out. The Giants get Janoris Jenkins back from suspension, team-induced suspension. What did he do, by the way, Giant? Did we or, or Brian? What do we do we know? What he did? Uh, he laughed at Ben McAdoo's hairdo. So yeah, he well, got suspended. And then apparently, I'm going to get suspended it's a too. Mac- yeah. Don't we're all going to yeah. get suspended? Yeah, you know, I I would say that he uh, he besmirched the integrity of Ben McAdoo's barber, but Ben Mark McAdoo's barber is a Tupperware bowl, so he probably didn't. They've allowed five wide receiver touchdowns in the last two games. Your Giants have, and seven wide receivers have hit at least 50 yards in the last three weeks. Think about that. Three games, seven different receivers have hit 50 yards. Goodwin's going to do that. There's uh, uh, He remains a C grade. I think we have time. Do we have time for one more? Let me look at our time, our clock. Yeah, kind of. I got this. All right. You think you can do Steelers-Colts reasonably, uh, reasonably quickly? Maybe. All right. Uh... You, you don't want to commit to anything. I understand. Le'Veon Bell is this week's fantasy Fonzie, right, Brian? A easiest day of them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antonio Brown also an A. Last year on Thanksgiving against Vontae Davis, Brown had 91 yards and three touchdowns, but there's no more Vontae Davis. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's getting a B. Juju got his driver's license in the bye week after torching the Lions for 193 yards and a touchdown before the bye. The Colts have allowed the most yards in the NFL to opposing wide receivers. And they've allowed a league-high 44 completions of 20 yards or more. So Smith-Schuster's a B. Almost went to Martavis Bryant, but I have him on the bench. He hasn't topped 50 yards since week two, and he could say something stupid at any time and get benched halfway through the game. Maybe he'll Instagram during the game about how lousy Juju Smith-Schuster is. Probably. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, I got a B on him. Three of the last five quarterbacks to face the Colts have topped 300 yards. But no quarterback has topped two touchdowns against Indy this year. It's pretty easy to run on them, and they don't need to pass that much. So the game flow could have Le'Veon Bell touching the ball 30 times plus. Mm. Over on the Colts side, it's a bench festival. T.Y. Hilton's on the bench. Maybe it's a bold call to put Hilton on the bench at home where he's raked for years, but this season he's totally matchup dependent. He's topped 100 yards in three games this season against the Browns, the 49ers, and last week against the Texans, whose defense is just garbage right now. 
In his other six games, he's averaging 2.5 catches, 33 yards, and no scores. Wow. Any competent defense whatsoever mm-hmm. has just locked him down. The Steelers have held every wide receiver this year to 61 yards or less. That's so crazy. It's it's just nuts. Uh, Frank Gore and Marlon Mack are on the bench. Mack's pass protection troubles are keeping him off the field. He allowed two sacks last week, one of which turned into a fumble and a touchdown for the Texans. That means he's not getting as many touches as Frank Gore. And really, no back has topped 48 rush yards or scored against the Steelers in the last three weeks, so it's a bad matchup. Brissett's on the bench. Stafford was the only quarterback to top 250 against the Steelers this season. Andy Dalton is the only one who's thrown for two scores. And Jack Doyle, who might be the bright spot on that offense, he's on the bench too. No tight end has topped 58 yards against the Steelers this season. Only Tyler Croft and Adam Shaheen have scored a touchdown from the tight end position this year against... The Steelers, it's just a bad matchup for the Colts. They're all it on the bench. It is a bad matchup. Adam Shaheen, by the way, they got to start playing him in Chicago. They don't have any choices left. Uh, we'll go to the phone lines. we got a couple of people who have been nice enough to hold. Jeannie, hello. Hi. Good Hi. morning, guys. Good morning. I um, called last week, and you guys told me to start golf over Cam, and that was a great call. And I'm yes. wondering, do I do that again this week? Goff over Cam. Is this going to be a weekly call? <laughs> Every week, Goff or, Goff or Cam. I have got five spots higher. Yeah, we're going to get into that matchup okay. a little later, and I've got good things to say about Goff. I would, I agree, Goff. Yeah, I've yeah. got Goff as my okay. number six quarterback for this week. I like him. Good luck, Jeannie. Anything else? Okay. Because it's lightning round, you could yeah. actually ask yeah. more than one question. It's not lightning round. That's I mean. what I love about this. That's what I love about it. Um, I started Baldwin on Thursday night, and I have to pick one of these four. You've only talked about two of them so far, so I have Funches. Sterling Shepard, Juju, and Robbie Anderson. What would you do? Well, if you're looking for the home run ball, I think you go Juju. Well, I think you go Shepard against the 49ers. And you like Robbie Anderson as well. I like Robbie Anderson. Yeah, those are good and options. You, you got a lot of good <laughs> options. I, I, I would take Shepard out of that group personally. I think I would too. He'll see the okay, most targets. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jeannie. Appreciate the call. We'll work in one more. Uh, ben, you've been on hold since the beginning of the show. Thank you for your patience as well. Hey, guys. Appreciate it. Um, all right. I kind of got screwed with the, uh, the, the Zeke taking over eventually, which obviously we were all kind of expecting. So, uh, two of these three, um, I, I'm currently playing Kenyon Drake and, uh, Funches. Or do I do like a Rod Smith, McGuire on the Jets, or Deion Lewis, uh, Devontae Booker, or Martavis Bryant are sitting in free agency? Yeah. Well, I have Kenyon. Drake and Damian Williams on the bench this week, and I, yeah, I actually do like Funchess a little bit in this matchup. Uh, you listed so many guys that I lost track of. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, maybe a McGuire from the Jets or a Deion Lewis. I mean, yeah, are... neither of those yeah. are really doing much for me. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, I think Funchess is the play, Ben. Okay, can I do one one quick? Yes, you can. Uh, McCown or Cousins? I'd have to drop since I was a Zeke owner. I got Rod Smith, or I could drop like Amir Abdullah. For to do what? For McCown? Uh, yeah, yeah. For McCown, I I have Cousins on my uh, team. I'm looking at trying to get a slight upgrade. I don't know. Well, I think Josh is actually a pretty big upgrade this week in particular. Yeah, I but I, you know, as as a Zeke owner, I don't recommend you drop Rod Smith. I think you could drop Abdullah at this point. As yeah, he's he, almost he, a sabotage drop candidate as well. Just name value alone. Yep, he's not living up to it. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. All Appreciate right. It. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate the call. Uh, when we come back, 
five hot questions. The Devonis, five hot questions. See if you can go five and zero oh with our panel of experts when we return. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Football Weekly on the Fan. Paul Charchian, Brian Johnson, Matt Harrison with you. Good morning. You found us two hours, er- well, no, three hours early uh, in response to the uh, early Gopher game today. Let's face it, everybody's listening to this on a podcast, right? Yeah, pretty much everybody's podcasting it. And if you are, we are very grateful because we had to reset our, our. I didn't really like it. It wasn't our choice, by the way, but... The, the podcast the, feed. The whole podcast feed had to be yeah. totally changed, so we wiped out years and years of reviews and rankings. All got flushed. We had a you know, like a 4.95 out of 10, or out of 5, 4.95 out of 5 ranking, and all that got flushed. So we really appreciate people who take the time to, uh, to rate and review the show. Devani's hot question number one. First, I bet I guess I should explain the sabotage drop before I do the hot question number one. For people that don't know, the sabotage drop is when you drop a brand name player who you think is going to perform badly for all or most of the rest of the year so that your opponents will pick them up and then mistakenly start that guy. You should have said, listen, all y'all. Yeah. Listen, all y'all. Yeah, it's. And you got to play Beastie Boys while making a sabotage draw. Oh, that's a great point. Sure. Oh, that would have been perfect. Next time, we'll do better. Tony, you can fire that sabotage. up, please. What do I even do here? A Beastie Boys sabotage on sabotage. YouTube. Thank you. It's a good song, anyway. Great I, video, too. Great per- video. Personally, I can't TV. stand it. And really? I know you planned it. I, I like sabotage. And I also <laughs> like the rare, the um, almost totally unlistened to jazz album by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> That they released. Sure, it's not, an all-instrumental, all-instrumental jazz album. No, it's not Richard Cheese. I forgot about that. Devani's hot question number one. Do you sabotage drop Will Fuller? Matt. Uh, yes. It looks like Fuller was completely touchdown dependent anyway. And that was dependent on Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. And now it's Tom Savage. And he's not going to throw three touchdowns per game. If Savage can throw one per game, it's going to go to DeAndre Hopkins or C.J. Fedorowicz. Hopkins has averaged 24 targets, or not averaged. He's had 24 targets in six quarters. He's averaging four targets per quarter from Tom Savage. He's getting all the work. Let's jam up a roster spot with Will Fuller. Yeah, there we go. You didn't Probably get... Probably should have listened to this ahead of time. Who knows where the cursing might be. Nah, well, let's hope not, but... I, this one's this one's pretty clean, I think. I think it is pretty clean. Yeah. I've heard it on the radio many times. Uh, although that might be a radio edit. Who knows <laughs> if, this, if this is. Brian. I'm telling y'all it's Abaddon. All right. Uh, yeah, I got nothing much to really add here. Um, there are some major roadblocks on Fuller's schedule, too, in Baltimore and Jacksonville in uh, key points of the fantasy season. So, yeah, he, he was catching a touchdown on every other pass with Deshaun Watson. That was a production that wasn't sustainable. It certainly is not with Tom Savage at the helm. Uh, I'm going to say... Not yet, and here's why. I got <laughs> I got two starts with them, and one of them is in the first week of the playoffs. Week 11 is Arizona. Patrick Peterson's going to be on DeAndre Hopkins, and we all know the number two receiver in those games get fed. I want him for that game, but most importantly, 
week 14 against San Francisco. First week in my playoffs. I'm going to go win that first game in my playoffs with Will Fuller, and then I'm going to do the sabotage drop week 15, leading into the week 15 game. He's got Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Think about how juicy that sabotage drop is going to be after the week 14 thrashing against San Francisco. You drop him, some fool picks him up against Jacksonville or Pittsburgh. That's the timing for the sabotage drop on Will Fuller. Not yet. You can just keep this down. Giovanni's hot question number two. Can I sabotage drop DeMarco Murray? Brian. Listen, all of y'all, this is not a sabotage. <laughs> no! I am not sabotage dropping DeMarco Murray. He did slow noticeably in the second half last season, but last year he had 160 carries through his first eight games. This year he has only 95 carries through his first eight games. He is practicing in full after suffering a minor knee injury last week. I'm just holding on to him because we have Pittsburgh and Indy in the next two weeks. Those are great matchups for Murray. I'm not too excited about Houston and Arizona in the following weeks. But then there's those San Francisco 49ers again in week 15 for DeMarco Murray. So I am holding despite Derrick Henry eating to his workload. He's still a viable option, although not an elite one anymore. Brian hit all my points, but... Also, they get the Rams in the fantasy playoffs, and the Rams have been really bad against running backs this year, too. So two great matchups in the fantasy playoffs for DeMarco Murray. That's why you cannot sabotage dropping. He's been worse than most people realize. In eight games this year, he's had six flat-out bad games out of eight, where you almost certainly wish you had not started him six out of eight times. Here's DeMarco Murray's average game. 49 rushing yards. 14 receiving yards, and a quarter of a touchdown. That's it. So what you're saying is you sabotage drafted him. You, uh, you sabotage yourself. Yes. And to Brian's point, Brian was all over this in the preseason. He was banging the drum to avoid DeMarco Murray. So many sounds right now. I know. There's so much happening right now. They, the Beastie Boys should have put a peacock in that song. I thought that sounded fantastic. Um. Your ideal scenario, though, is to trade DeMarco Murray to the Henry owner. Let that guy deal with this headache on who to start, or just start them both. You set, you you can play this angle. You don't have to pick which one. You can start them both the rest of the way. But if you can't trade him, yes, DeMarco Murray is sabotage droppable. I think there's only two games on the schedule where I feel like I can reasonably start somebody who's bad six out of eight times, and that's Indian San Francisco. And the San Francisco game's week 15. I'm already getting knocked out of the playoffs, so we got to start him in week 14. Oh, wait. But week 14's the Rams. The Rams are Devonnie's hot question number three. Which of the Eagles' backs, if any, will emerge as the most reliable fantasy starter? Matt. I was very happy to see that you put if any on there. I'm going to take the if any option and say none of the above. I think that the Eagles will model their running game the rest of the season after what the Patriots do. From here on out, you'll see both Ajayi and Blunt splitting touches, keeping them fresh for what they hope is a deep playoff run. Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood are there to steal receptions and be change of pace guys. I'm avoiding the whole running game here if I can. I think Ajayi just muddied the waters there. Mm-hmm. Tony, can I get some Cypress Hill while we discuss LeGarrette Blunt, please? No, I'm just <laughs> uh, it's it, it's Jay Ajayi, and it's not close here. LeGarrette Blunt, he's, he's pretty bad. He, he's bad despite his 4.6 yards per carry. That sounds impressive. It is not. When you take away his 68-yard run against the Chargers, he's averaging just 4 yards per carry. 
But wait, LeGarrette Blount is good at the stripe, right? Negative, <laughs> Ghost Rider. He is not good at the stripe. He has eight attempts inside the five for negative five yards and one touchdown. He is the Snickle Fritz of running backs. Snickle Fritz? Yes. Nice. I don't know what that means, but so I like, I I like the I'm assuming it's a Cypress Hill reference. Yeah, kind of. I have no idea. the same vein. All right. That way. Uh, in the old days, in the harsher, crueler days of Fantasy Football Weekly, we would never have injected the if any into this. It would have just laid there like a trap waiting to spring. But for some reason, we're in a kinder, gentler time now, and I threw the if any into the question and really tipped my hand. The answer is none of these guys. Last week is a great example of how frustrating this timeshare is going to be. Even though the running game was very successful in a blowout victory over Denver, they ran the ball 37 times, which is not normal for any team. Here's your here's your carries split. 12, 9, 8, and 5 between four guys. And that's in a 37-carry game, which is extremely unusual. Most games, it's going to be far less than that for all of them. And here's the, the first problem, by the way. Problem number one is, even if we were to just give you the 12, the 9, and the 8 carries, that's not enough to be successful. 12, 9, and 8 isn't enough. We know that. We need running backs to get the ball more than that. The second problem is, I defy listeners right now. Tell me who is the 12 and who is the 9 and who is the 8 from last week's box score from the Eagles. Can you correctly assign those running backs to those spots? And if you can't, that tells you everything you need to know about the frustration you're going to have on a week-in and week-out basis. Most weeks, somebody, some one of these running backs is going to have a good game. Good luck sorting out who it's going to be. Most of the time, you're not going to know until after the game's over, and at that point, it is too late. Devani's hot question number four. At the end of the day, are we going to wish we just dropped Jameis Winston now? Brian. Uh, obviously, we're talking redraft leagues, uh, and I'm going to say yes. When I hear shut down for a couple weeks and visiting Dr. James Andrews, none of that bodes well for uh, a quarterback, especially when you're dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, and Tampa Bay looks to be a non-contender. There's no, there's no reason to rush Winston back. Uh, they're on bye next week. Then at Atlanta, at Green Bay, those are decent matchups. So we don't even know if he's going to be playing then. And uh, I don't know. That's a dead roster spot right now. So basically, I am dropping Winston right now. Okay. Tony, can I get Snoop Dogg's Drop It Like It's Hot? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> if you're in a one-quarterback league, I'd drop him. According to Fanball Strength, the schedule calculator, they don't have another matchup left on the uh, on the docket against a bad defense. It's all middle of the pack or worse. His shoulder might not be right until next season. There's going to be a new coach in Tampa next year. The locker room is a mess. There's the hard knocks hangover. And I don't want to try to eat any more W's with Jameis Winston. He visited Dr. Andrews, and that's never good. Sam Bradford found himself on IR after visiting Dr. Andrews as, as he was hobbling out of the lobby. That's how fast Dr. I.R. Andrews. That's right, Dr. I.R. Andrews. Um, it suggests the team doctors don't like what they're seeing, so they fly him off to Dr. Andrews to see if they can find some angle that they that they haven't been able to find themselves. Um, I think Jameis doesn't play for at least several weeks, and it's already a lost season for the Bucks. right? They're 2-6. and six, They're not going to the playoffs, and there's a very real chance that even if he could play, let's advance the clock three, four weeks, week 13 or week 14, they might say, you know what, we don't want to go Andrew Luck on this thing. 
we don't want to take a bat, take a shoulder injury and make it worse and then lose the next season, yeah. which would be a very reasonable concern. Luck played on a bad shoulder for far too long, and he ended up losing the next season. And, to your point earlier, the schedule's not favorable. I, I got one favorable matchup left the whole way, and all the rest are, to your point, middle of the pack or worse. At the end of the day, you're going to wish you'd just dropped Jameis Winston. Devani's hot question number five. Should Gronk owners implement the rarely used tight end handcuff in NAB Martellus Bennett? Matt. No, we thought this would work out last year, but Bennett only showed up in a couple of rare games in which Gronk was active but injured, where Gronk mm. was playing decoy. The games which Gronk didn't play, Bennett wasn't involved. The games which Gronk did play and was healthy, Bennett wasn't involved. Plus, the shoulder injury may still require surgery. That's why the Packers cut him, because Bennett wanted to have season-ending sur- surgery on his shoulder and I don't know how he passed a physical in New England and is going to play now. So, no, don't pick him up. All right. Brian. Yep, nothing to add. Full agreement there. I'll add this. He's not good. You know, I, I liked him in the preseason. I really thought that with Aaron Rodgers and the best tight end Aaron Rodgers ever had, I really thought that Bennett was going to be good. I rostered him on several of my uh, several of my own leagues. I've So I've watched him very closely. He dropped passes. He appeared to be in the wrong spot. He did nothing after the catch. There's nothing to see here with Martellus Bennett. He is all names and all, he's all names and all excuses. Is all Martellus Bennett is at this point. Let's work in one quick matchup. That would be Jets at Buccaneers. Hey, that's me. I got to find hey, Jets it is. at Buccaneers. Hold on. Flipping pages. There we go. What's a what's a revenge song we should be playing for this <clears> one? <throat> uh, there's a system of a down song called Revenge. I don't know if it's clean. <laughs> I, I don't either. Probably not. Um, yeah, I've got nothing for that. Revenge. I'm sure there are a lot of great revenge songs. I can't mm. think of any off the top of my head. It is. It's only 8-12. Yeah. I can't be expected to be an encyclopedia of musical knowledge at 8-12 in the morning. Jets take on the Buccaneers. On the Jets side, Josh McCown was my take a chance to be quarterback. But that, it doesn't end there. If I like, and by the way, A grade on Josh McCown. He's my number eight quarterback this week. Love him. As described earlier, let's stick with other parts of the passing game. Robbie Anderson, a B grade. He's taken over as the Jets' top receiver and has now scored in three straight games. He's averaging almost 16 yards per catch, and he gets a great matchup against a Bucks secondary that's given up 11 touchdowns to opposing receivers. That is the second most touchdowns to receivers in the league. I also like running opposite him, Jermaine Curse with a C grade. He's a low-volume guy, Curse is, but he has a touchdown score, and as mentioned, Tampa Bay secondary, giving up the second-most wide receiver touchdown, so it feels like it all comes together here. All but three of the wide receiver touchdowns they have allowed have... Oh. Yeah. Oh, so Lannis Lannis Morissette. Morissette. That's all. I googled it, so too. Better. This is the number one revenge song. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. I thought this was what I was going to play, and then Google the list, and it said top revenge song. Yeah, I have to play it so, And so, it's aimed at Uncle Joey. Yeah, right? is yeah. Dave Coulier going to be at this game? <laughs> All but three of the wide receiver touchdowns that the Bucks have allowed have gone to non-number one receivers. So that, again, works in Jermaine Curse's favor. For a long time, Jermaine, of this week, as you guys know, Jermaine Curse was my take-a-chance-on-me receiver. Yeah. And I only pivoted to Adam Adam Humphrey because I, I think Adam Humphreys. So I think he is a deeper selection, although they're both perfectly good. And they're both on the available on the waiver wire. Is this the one that involves a movie theater at some point? Yeah. Okay. That right. happened already. That already happened. Okay. I, you, normally you'd think you'd catch that. I missed it. Talk right through it.
Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, while we're staying with the passing game. And staying with the revenge game. And, well, yeah, and a revenge it's angle. Revenge That's right. Goal. Has averaged only three catches for 23 yards the last three weeks, which is which has got to be worrisome as he heads into a matchup against his former team. The Bucks have allowed the third fewest yards per game to opposing tight ends. He is a C grade. Let's go to the running game. Matt Forte is out. Bilal Powell is a B grade. He'll get the majority of the work. He's been very reliable in that scenario over the past two years. When he gets all the work, he's really good. Five of the six non-Forte games, games that Forte missed, Powell put up big, big numbers. Last week, Alvin Kamara rolled up 84 receiving yards against Tampa Bay. And the week before that, Christian McCaffrey rolled up 50 receiving yards. Powell is a good dual threat this week. He gets a B grade. I'm putting Elijah McGuire on the bench. I don't know. You could In a pinch, you could play him. But even with Forte out, I'm worried he doesn't do enough, and he hasn't topped more than 2.3 yards per carry since way back in week four. I got all the good data today. It's a homecoming game for Bilal Powell from Lakeland, Florida. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Located just east of Tampa. I like it. Very nice. Yes. All right, let's go to the Tampa Bay side. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was Brian's take a chance on me quarterback. Some people are a little bit concerned after years. There is the revenge angle. Some people are a little concerned after years of throwing to the, the players in green that Stu Beard will be a little disoriented and will, and known for his interceptions anyway, will th- again throw to the players in green. Well, if he's known for his interceptions, he'll probably avoid the players in green. Maybe that's it. Yeah, we'll work that that's angle. That's the angle. Double reverse psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was already seeing a, a decent target number with at least six in every game heading into last week, and he'll get more with Mike Evans out. Jackson's got a very winnable matchup against Jets cornerbacks Justin Burris and Daryl Roberts. And the Jets have allowed the fourth most receiving yards, second most touchdowns to wideouts. Deshaun Jackson, B grade here. I already gave you Adam Humphreys as my take a chance on me wide receiver in this matchup. Cameron Brait, also a B grade. He's going up against a Jets team that's allowed the sixth most yards and tenth most receptions to tight ends. And this note from ESPN. Ryan Fitzpatrick's got the league's top passer rating when targeting tight ends since 2010. 19 touchdowns to tight ends, zero interceptions to tight ends. I think I passed that one on to you. Yes, Cameron Brait's going to be the best tight end in the league this week. Ooh, I like it. You're throwing down the gauntlet. Last guy we'll mention, Doug Martin. Just eight carries for seven yards last week, but the Bucs fell behind early and the game script went upside down. Martin's going to get a lot more work this week with Winston out and Evans out. He faces a Jets team that's allowed the 10th most rushing yards. They've allowed just one rushing touchdown, though, in the past seven games. Doug Martin, C grade, is startable, but only at a C level. When we come back, wrap up some more of our matchups, including Texans taking on the Rams. Can you start any part of the Texans passing game? Find out when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Brian Johnson, Matt Harrison with you. Plenty of matchups to get to over the course of this segment. And then uh, last segment, lightning round, premature speculation. 
coming up next. Let's see. Texans take on the Rams. Brian, Rams secondary is pretty good, and the Texans quarterback is really bad. What do you make of the passing game in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, you're still starting DeAndre Hopkins, as uh, everyone probably already knows. He only gets a B, though. He has seen 24 targets in a game and a half uh, with Tom Savage at quarterback. That's mm-hmm. 16 targets a game. Uh, he'll probably see double digits in this one, but uh, the Rams have only allowed four wide receiver touchdowns all season, so don't get your hopes too high uh, with Hopkins this week. And you probably shouldn't have any hopes for Will Fuller. I, I'll give him a very, very tentative C just to see if you can – uh, actually, I'm going to put him on the bench. Screw it. So, <laughs> targets last week. <laughs> All right. Had just two catches. Savage is not good. Uh, the one thing that may be going for that Fuller has going for him is all four touchdowns that the Rams have allowed to wide receivers have gone to secondary options, but I'm just not liking him a lot with Savage uh, under center. Are you saying Savage is not macho? Yeah, I'm not even going to yeah. do the voice in this one. I'm just so, <laughs> oh, I'm still no. bummed. No, no one no one likes Tom Savage right now who has any, <laughs> any stock in the Texans. Uh, I do like C.J. Fedorowicz, though. He might take a chance on me receiver. Uh, Giants tight end saw 12 targets against the Rams last week, so Fedorowicz could see some volume. Tom Savage is on the bench. The Rams are top 10 against the pass, allowing just 176 yards per game over their past five games, just five total passing touchdowns during that span. And I'll give Lamar Miller a C. Uh, the Rams are fifth worst against the run. Miller is a borderline B, but uh, he just doesn't put up big numbers. LA, well, and no threat from the passing game. No threat from the passing game, that's true. Uh, allowing 4.6 yards per carry are the Rams. Only two teams have failed to rush for 100 yards or score a touchdown against them this year. So Miller is certainly startable. Uh, over to his counterpart at running back on uh, L.A. side, Todd Gurley gets an A, despite Houston being ranked second against the run. But when you look further into that, they face the uninspiring backfields of Cincinnati, New England, Cleveland, Seattle, and Indianapolis lately. Mm. Gurley averaging 24 touches and 128 combo yards per game. He's an obvious bell cow auto start. Um, I like the receivers for sure for L.A. I'm going to give each one a B. Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. Uh, we'll start with Wat- Watkins. Uh, great matchup here. Yeah. Uh, probably the high- Watkins probably has the highest ceiling, but certainly the lowest floor. But uh, the Texans have allowed five different wide receivers to top 50 yards and three to top 100 yards over the last two games alone. So you got to like Robert Woods, who leads the Rams in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. And, and, Cooper- and Robert Woods is available. So you're, yep. this is the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And Robert Woods leads the team in targets, receptions, and yards, and he's available right now in forty percent of leagues too on on that team. Well, well, yeah. I think he only has the two touchdowns he scored last week. I think he might have three. Okay, but uh, yeah, it's you know it's ridiculous that he's available in so many leagues. Anybody else think this could be the Watkins breakout game? It's worth rolling the dice. on. It kind of is, yeah, isn't it? Think, he's yeah. so overdue for it a is. big game. And uh, Cooper Cup, real quick, uh, second in the NFL in red zone targets. He certainly is a factor there, so I like him as well. Uh, you can And you can start Tyler Higby. Uh, I'll give him a C. The Texans are the sixth worst defense against tight ends, allowing six catches and 62 yards per game to the position. And for all these reasons, Jared Goff, an obvious A. Mm-hmm. Houston has allowed, f- uh, has allowed four of the last six quarterbacks they faced to go over 300 yards and throw for multiple touchdowns. The two that didn't were Kevin Hogan and the Marcus Mariota-Matt Castle combo a couple weeks ago. The end. The way, the way that you were... You- I you know. ended that sentence. It sounded like there might be more, so I was giving sure you a pause I, there. I wasn't sure if I did the other team, but then I <laughs> I won't do the Texans again. Thank you. We already we already survived that one once. It's early. Cowboys take on the Falcons. No Zeke. What do you think of the uh, running back situation there, Matt? Just in case, if Zeke is suddenly not suspended, <clears throat> I just want to mention <clears throat> he's an A happen. start. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
I'm I got Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden on the bench. If that doesn't change, I think you're headed for a three-headed rushing attack. Morris will probably end up with around 12 touches. McFadden will probably get six to eight. Rod Smith is the take a chance on me guy that I would want to play out think, of all I don't of think them. McFadden even gets the six to eight. I yeah. think that's Rod Smith. Yeah, it could be. I think Smith's going to be second in the in the in the eating order. He may be second in command, but Dak Prescott, I think, is the best runner in this game. He gets an A. The Falcons have allowed the tenth most rushing yards to the quarterback position this year, and maybe the lack of Zeke and an injury to Dez forces Dak to call his own number near the goal line this week. In fact, you know what? I'm going to call it Dak Prescott rushing touchdown this right, week. Well, Let's I, go. I think he leads all quarterbacks in rushing yardage this year. Yeah, uh, Dez Bryant slash Terrence Williams, if healthy. Dez is a B, Williams is a C, but both are dealing with ankle injuries. If Bryant doesn't go, Williams might be bumped up to a B. If both don't go, I'm going to look at Bryce Butler, who's averaging 18.6 yards per carry, and he's caught five touchdowns from Dak over the last two years. If either is ruled out, I'll move Butler up to a C, but if both go, I don't think that I'd play him. Dak Prescott is sixth amongst quarterbacks in rushing yards. Sorry, not even close to first. Incorrect. I was uh, incorrect. We're not going to chase. Uh, where he's number one, rushing touchdowns. There we go. Four rushing touchdowns for Dak Prescott, well, number one. Five this week, maybe even six. Not six touchdowns this week. No, okay. might get number five and number six. Got it. We're not going to chase Cole Beasley's two red zone touchdown passes last week because he only has 11 targets over the last three games. And Jason Witten's on the bench. It's true that injuries and suspensions could mean a few more looks for Witten, but he's facing a defense that's allowing four catches and 48 yards to tight ends this season. Uh, on the Atlanta side, I got Devontae Freeman with a B and Tevin Coleman with a C. Freeman's been held to 12 or fewer carries in every game since week four. That's kind of surprising. And Dallas is only allowing 80 rush yards per game to the running back position. Still, the Cowboys are allowing the seventh most receptions and receiving yards to rush to running backs. And I thought that I'd find Tevin Coleman was leading more more of the receiving categories. It's really not. It's like completely even, just about yeah. by like one or two in every category. So that's why Freeman gets the B and Coleman gets the C because Freeman just gets more touches. Matt Ryan gets a B. It's a home game against a bottom ten defense. Dallas has allowed the tenth most passing touchdowns and the eighth worst passer rating in the league defensively. Julio Jones gets an A. Do you think Julio Jones is thinking fondly of his season high 118 yards last week? Well, I hope so. I think he's thinking of the easiest touchdown pass he, that he he's ever, ever dropped, dropped yeah, in the world. That was ridiculous. It, he's he's got a revenge game against himself this week, and he's going to score a touchdown this week. Mohamed mm -hmm. Sanu, I'm giving a B to. The Cowboys have been specifically bad against slot receivers. Sanu's running about two-thirds of his routes from the slot. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Jamison Crowder, Cooper Cup, Sterling Shepard all had big days out of the slot against the Cowboys. Lastly, I'll mention Austin Hooper. He's not a good play because his name is not Travis Kelsey. Non-Travis Kelsey tight ends <laughs> have only scored once this year against the Cowboys, and Dallas hasn't allowed non-Kelseys to top 52 yards this season. So How did Hooper Jason, Kelsey, bench. Jason Kelsey do against the he Cowboys? He didn't do that well. No? Okay. No. So it's not even a matter. You, have, you can't just be a Kelsey. You have to be a Travis Kelsey. That's true. At that. Bengals take on the Titans. Uh, I think we can squeeze it. Uh, uh, nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Bengals taking on the Titans. We'll tell you if you can uh, if you can go back to the well with Andy Dalton after the crappy, crappy game he put up against the Jaguars when we return. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan.
show, final segment of Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Let's uh, let's knock down our last couple of. Oh, geez, yeah, we have three matchups to go. We got to zip through these. Bengals taking on the Titans. Uh, AJ Green's an obvious A. I'm not going to expand on that. We'll go to Andy Dalton, who is a B. Prior to running into the Jacksonville buzzsaw last week, and they 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 humble everybody. He was averaging, Dalton was averaging 240 yards and 2.2 touchdowns in the Bill Lazor offensive coordinator era. He faced a Titans defense that's seen some of the worst quarterbacking in the league of late. Joe Flacco and Deshaun Kaiser and Cody Kessler and Jacoby Brissett and Jay Cutler. The last two competent quarterbacks that the Titans faced, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, each threw for four touchdowns against the Titans secondary. I think Dalton's sitting on potentially a very nice game here. B-grade for him. B-grade for Tyler Croft. He has successfully replaced Tyler Eifert in the over the last five weeks. He's averaged four catches, 52 yards, and he's caught almost a touchdown per game. That is solid tight end produ- production in a year where it's hard to find that. He faces an average tight end, uh, Titans defense against tight ends, but I think there's a game plan here that's going to be strongly emphasizing the passing game, which brings us to Joe Mixon. And why he's only a C grade here. A, he's averaging just 2.9 yards per carry, which is brutal. He has topped 60 rushing yards one time all year. And the Titans come in with a good run defense. They're top 10 in rushing touchdowns allowed, yards per rush against. They're giving up just 3.4 yards per carry. Jeremy Hill is out for this game, and that does help Mixon a little bit. If there were any goal line carries to be had, he would get them, and that's largely why he gets a C grade here. And if I'm nervous about Mixon, uh, I like his backup, Giovanni Bernard, even less. He's on the bench. Let's go to the Tennessee side of this, where I've got a handful of C grades, and that is it. We'll start with the passing game. Marcus Mariota is actually on the bench. It's a tough matchup against Cincinnati. They rank third in passing yards allowed. Opposing quarterbacks averaging barely one touchdown per game against the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, his hamstring is healed, um, but I don't think the legs help here. The, the Bengals have seen a bunch of mobile quarterbacks this year. Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Kaiser and Tyrod Taylor and Jacoby Brissett, and they averaged 10 scoreless rushing yards. So you're only going to get what Marcus Mariota's arm can give you, and I don't think it's going to be that much. That's part of why Corey Davis is down to a C level. Got his feet wet last week after missing seven games and knocked some rust off. Kind of like him because he should match up against Adam Jones, who Pro Football Focus ranks as their 91st cornerback. Richard Matthews, barely a C grade here. Right side receivers, which he primarily is, uh, have had some luck because they're getting Drake Kirkpatrick, who ranks 110th at Pro Football Focus. So I I'm lukewarm on Rashard Matthews, but you know his bet. He's 60, 70 yards every game, and that's not so bad. Delaney Walker gets a C grade. Cincinnati's allowed a 49-yard game or better to tight ends in three straight games. I like that. Walker's still not close to 100% healthy, though. He has seen four or more targets every game, so volume alone might be okay here, but hasn't scored a touchdown this season. None. For your guy, Matt, Delaney Walker. Lastly, I, I dropped him in several leagues. I don't blame you. He's not my guy anymore. Murray and Henry, the running backs for Tennessee, are on the bench. Murray narrowly out-touched Henry last week, but Henry got the touchdowns, and every week, we talked about this in five hot questions, it's it's always a nightmare to figure out who it's going to be. It's a it's a timeshare, and it's a Cincinnati defense that's only allowed one 100-yard rusher and only two rushing scores all season. So I, I don't know how you find. I don't know how you you could guess which one if either is going to get anything done this week. So let's avoid both. 
Next, Patriots taking on the Broncos. Uh, normally, we would just say start all your Patriots, but it's a tricky matchup. What do you think? Yeah, it's a little tricky. Uh, let's start with Tom Brady, who gets a B. Uh, pretty pretty bad history against the Broncos, who last year allowed a mere 12 passing touchdowns. This year, they've allowed 16 passing touchdowns so far, though. Only two teams have allowed more than that. So, Brady, you're going to start him, obviously. Uh, you're definitely starting Rob Gronkowski, though. He gets an A. Uh, in his last four meetings with Denver, he has finished with no fewer than 88 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, when that's your bad game, 88 yeah. yards and a touchdown, you're you're in, you're in a good spot. Yeah. Denver's allowed the second most receiving yards and fourth most catches, so Gronk is an easy start. Brandon Cook's not, not so easy, even with Chris Hogan out. He has been ruled out. Uh, the Broncos have allowed the fewest receptions and yards to wide receivers this year. They have allowed a fair amount of touchdowns, but Cooks really hasn't been a factor in the red no, zone. In the end not zone. at all. So I'm not liking yeah. this matchup a whole lot for him. I'm really not liking it for Damian Amendola, if he even plays with that shoulder injury. Uh, he'll see a lot of Chris Harris in the yeah. slot. That's Harris is awesome. Yep. So I got Amendola on the bench, and I'm not getting cute with Philip Dorsett or anything like that nope. with Chris Hogan out. Uh, it, it doesn't get much pr- better for the running backs. I'm going to give Deion Lewis and J- James White both a C. Uh, speaking to Lewis, uh, he led the team in carries for uh, the third straight week last week. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry. But Denver is giving up the fourth fewest yards per game to running backs and have only allowed three rushing touchdowns on the year. So not a great matchup for Lewis. Not a great matchup for James White either. But um, Denver has surrendered three scores through the air to running backs, which is tied for the second most in the league. And James White has seen eight red zone targets, which is tied for second among running backs. And Mike Gillisley, real quick, on the bench, obviously, hasn't scored since week two and has just two carries from inside the five-yard line in the six games since then. He is just, he's I think bad. he's been dropped in most yep. leagues. And uh, quickly to Denver's side, Demaryius Thomas gets a B. New England has allowed the second most yards per game to wide receivers. They've also given up either 100 yards or a touchdown to a wide receiver in every game this season. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is going to give him a C, despite only catching one ball from Brock Osweiler last week. New England allows the second most yards per game to receivers, as I just said, and the fourth most plays of 20-plus yards. So Sanders should be more of a factor here. I'm benching Brock Osweiler, despite the fact New England has allowed 309 yards and two touchdowns per game to opposing quarterbacks. He's Brock Osweiler. He's on the bench. Mm -hmm. Uh, So is C.J. Anderson. Uh, Patriots are bottom 10 against running backs and have have allowed at least 80 total yards to each of the last four backs they've faced. But C.J. is just bad. He's averaged a mere 38 rushing yards per game over his last four. His snap count has dropped for seven straight weeks. And I like Devontae Booker more now. He gets the C. He's going to leapfrog CJ on the depth chart in this game. Uh, he's averaging four targets per game over his last four. He's averaging five yards per carry. New England is allowing nearly six catches per game, so mm. Booker can be a PPR helper here. All right. Let's go to our final matchup, and that's the Dolphins at the Panthers. Matt, you already told us you like uh, quarterback Jay Cutler in this one. Yeah, I uh... I do like to quarterback Jay Cutler. He he got a B out of me. I got mm-hmm. Bs on Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry as well. Parker's finally healthy, and we have a kindler, gentler Cutler chucking him the ball everywhere. They might be a spread offense soon. Parker has eight or more targets in every game that he's finished this season, mm. and he's hit the 69-yard mark in each of his four complete games. Landry's had double-digit targets in every game but two this season and at least five receptions in every game this year and scored in four of his last five they're both volume plays, and I think Cutler's going to throw in this one. The running game, Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams, I got him on the bench. They're splitting touches almost evenly, 15-13 to 13 in favor of Drake last week. And as much as I like both of these guys in a PPR format, this isn't the matchup. Tariq Cohen had one 70-yard reception against the Panthers earlier this season. Yeah. If you take that away, the Panthers are only allowing 33 receiving yards per game to running backs, so they're both on the bench. 
Over on the other side, Christian McCaffrey is the fantasy unicorn because he's strange, he's <laughs> mystical. Yes. I don't know how to feel about him, but he makes magic happen. Oh. He's got at least five catches in five straight games, but only 65 total yards per game. But he's scored in three of his last five. And the Panthers are trying to distribute the vacated Kelvin Benjamin targets, and a lot of them are going McCaffrey's uh, way. They're also vacating James uh, Jonathan Stewart carries after the two fumbles, and I, he's averaging like two yards a carry. I think they should send Jonathan Stewart on a vacation. Yeah, there you and, go. Because uh, his age seems to have caught him caught up with him. He's averaging under two yards per carry in his last five games. Cam Newton, I'm giving him a B grade over his last six games. He's averaging nine carries and 50 rushing yards per game. He's actually their best running back. Mm. Uh, he has twice as many rushing touchdowns as the rest of the team combined. Yep. Granted, it's only four to two, but that's still, still something. He's only averaging 185 passing yards per game, but it's the rushing that's making you money here, and so Newton's a B. And Devin Funches is the last guy I'll mention. I give him a B grade. All three of Funches's touchdowns came in two games in which Carolina scored 27 or more points. So when they're scoring in bunches, you start Funches. And the Dolphins have allowed 27 or more points in three straight games. So this is going to be another one of those games Funches is going to score this week. Now we talked about it last week, and you got to pick your spots with Funches, and this might be a good one. Premature speculation is the only thing between now and lightning round. This is the bit where we tell you a guy to pick up now that we think is going to be a hot waiver wire next week. Brian, who you got? Uh, kind of a Hail Mary, but let's go with Dante, Dante Foreman. Da Anta. Da Anta Foreman, who is the backup currently uh, for Lamar Miller still in Houston. Uh, basically, if a Lamar Miller injury happens, Foreman's going to be a factor. Starting week 14, he has San Francisco, Jacksonville, and Pittsburgh. Those are three-plus matchups. Foreman did have double-digit carries in his last two full games, and Miller faded last year, so why not? All right. I got this guy that you may have drafted first overall named David Johnson. The cast came off his wrist on Monday. Online doctors are saying recovery from this injury is tricky due to all the small bones and ligaments in the wrist, but Johnson said he wants to play even if they're out of playoff contention. He wants to get in and get reps, and it was a hand injury. Not, Not a, a leg, leg injury, injury so nope. he should be fresh when he comes back. He should be able to hit the ground running. I'm giving you two guys that came uh, that got injured and put, placed an IR early in the season are now coming off. Greg Olson, Danny Woodhead, both guys that will immediately go into starting roster spots, and uh, both of them available. Woodhead comes back next week. Olson comes back the week after. Yeah. All right, let's go to lightning round. You know the bit. One question between two players, and that is it. We're very strict about that around here. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for your patience. Steve? Hello. Hi, what have you got? Hello. This is lightning round? Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I had a trade question. That's fine, too. Go for it. Um, my friend offered me Kareem Hunt for Carlos Hyde. Hunt for Hyde. Hunt has not scored in six weeks now. Uh, right. Hyde's kind of a sneaky play. He's been doing really well at, as of the last three weeks, and I it, it pains me to do it, but I think I like Hyde better. All right. Thank you, Steve. E, hello. Hello. Hey, good morning. Hi. Brandon Cook or Juju Smith-Schuster? Ooh. Let's go with Juju in this one. I think I would, too, in the matchup. It's going to be a good Juju. Juju. Yeah. Say, say hi to Turtle and the gang for me, E. Uh, Mike, Hello. <laughs> 
Hey guys, uh, just a quick question. Cooper Cupper, Amir Abdullah, and PPR. Co- I'm sorry, Cupper who? Amir Abdullah. Abdullah. Yeah. We'll take Cup. We're, you know, I think we're all pretty down on Abdullah. Yeah. Ben, you're next. Hey guys, uh, full point PPR league. Um, I want to know if you guys would, and I have Alfred Morris, would you release Zeke Elliott or Woodhead, knowing that Woodhead's coming back for just the other handcuff, uh, Smith on the on the Cowboys. I'm not as high on Woodhead as as Charch is, so oh, I I, I think I'd I'd drop Woodhead and go Rod Smith, who's going to be playing the Woodhead role on a better offense. Uh, Kent, I'm sorry, I accidentally dropped you. I apologize for that. Please call back, Mike. Hello, you're next. Hey guys, uh, non PPR Mark Goodwin for Adam Humphrey. Oh, two two guys I gave uh, I gave C grades to today. Humphreys or Goodwin? Um, non PPR, I would go Humphreys and PPR. I'm going Goodwin with the big play potential in uh, okay. standard, so Goodwin. Arthur, you are next. Yeah, it's a half point PPR flex position. Latavius Murray or Juju Smith? Latavius Murray's not he's not even rosterable. So let's let's move on. Not even rosterable? No. Wow. Our guy. Jarek McKinnon's the guy. He is better okay. in every way. Latavius, well, we're not going to get into it. Taco, you're next. Hey, guys, standard scoring, Brady or Goff? All right. Uh, I, I I, can't put Brady on the bench, even against Denver. I've I, got him close, but I yeah. got Brady ahead. Ben, you're next. Ben. Abdullah or Alfred Morris, non-PPR. All I heard was Abdullah, and I was going to say the other guy. <laughs> whoever, whoever other guy is. All right. Corey, you're next. Hey, guys. What's going on? CPR uh, Humphreys or Jordy Nelson? Humphrey or Jordy Nelson? It's come to this. Yeah, and, and I'm starting Adam Humphreys over Jordy Nelson. <laughs> and I agree. And, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, it has. It's come to this for Jordy, who's been f- virtually phased out of the Brett Hundley he offense. He is a sabotage drop. That yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll be a, a preview of next week's show. We'll yeah. find out. John, you're next. PPR, uh, Juju or uh, Robbie Anderson? Oh, oh, I got to go to Charch on this one. Do you do you like, like Robbie, Robbie Anderson, Anderson that oh, much yeah. more? I love Robbie Anderson. I like Juju quite a bit, but I I'll defer. Uh, I think he said it was a PPR league too, and I Anderson Juju Smith is not a high volume guy. He's no. a low volume. guy. He's a higher upside guy, though. I think that. Uh, I don't even know about that. Mm. So all the advantages are to Robbie Anderson. I think so. Okay. Mikey, you're next. Darkwood or Chris Thompson? Uh, you got to go Darkwood against the Niners. Yeah. We, do. we talked about all the Vikings just shutting down running backs through the air this year. David, you're next. David. David. Hi. Hello. Yes, Alfred Morris or Doug Martin? <sighs> I'm going to take Doug Martin. I think they both got B grades from us. I'm going to take Doug Martin because he'll get all the work. I don't have to sweat a uh, much of a timeshare there. I know Peyton Barber got a bunch of work last week, but that was in a blowout loss, and I don't think that's indicative. Of Rod anything. Smith's going to have a better game than Alfred Morris. Yeah, I, I, put, so? I put Alfred Morris on the bench. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not. I like Morris more I'm than not you guys enthused do. On it, Dave. You're our final caller today. Hey, I love the show. Thank um, you, Devontae Parker or Shepard in a standard league. Uh Sterling Shepard's got. Terrific upside. Yeah, I, I got, like I got Parker Shepard's with a B grade, so it's a tough matchup. Carolina. Oh. 
uh, yeah, it's a much tougher matchup. Let's take Sterling Shepard. Nine but, targets last week in his first game back. Nine times. Nine times. There it is. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, please check out the podcast. And people listening right now, most of you missed every part of the show because we started <laughs> at 7 o'clock. So we hi- Tony, when's the podcast going up? As soon as we're done. As soon as we're done. So the podcast will be available promptly. Best of luck for this week. And again, speaking of the podcast, always grateful for people who uh, take the time to leave reviews and ratings. Many thanks to our decade-long sponsor, Grain Belt Premium, and our Week 9 winner, Ben Letty. We'll see you at the Manny's Winner's Banquet. Go for pregame. Coming up next. Barrero back with you for Jack Denon and the gang at Metropolitan Ford. And given this is November, you're going to hear about some fancy Black Friday deals early and often. Jack Denon, meanwhile, will cut through the bull with this. He needs to move his 2017s to make room for the 2018s, which is why this is the absolute best time to buy a new vehicle. That's pretty straightforward, no? And all good for you. It's precisely why they are offering 0% for 72 months on most in-stock 2017 models. Metropolitan Ford has over 500 new vehicles and nearly 200 used vehicles available. Always the best selection, best price, and the best financing. They want your vehicle, and they'll pay top dollar, which is why they purchase more customer vehicles than anyone in town. And don't forget about their state-of-the-art quick lane service. The 30-minute oil change is simple and fast. All makes and models, no appointment needed. Check out MetropolitanFord.com, or better yet, go see Jack. 494 on Highway 5 at Eden Prairie. Metropolitan Ford, selling customer satisfaction and fun, not just cars.